I'm sitting here with good old Iron Man, my cap shield, which means we're going to review a Marvel movie. I had such a fun time sitting here rambling to myself about Infinity War that I decided I was going to do it again. I may just continue doing this with the Marvel movies because I love those movies, quite frankly. Love them. It's uh, my new age star. Like what Star Wars was to me as a child, these movies, these Marvel movies are that to me as an adult. So we're going to be breaking down Spider-Man Far From Home. And uh, before I get into that, I'll do my ad reads and stuff. But right here at the top, it says, hang on, where is it at? It's like being a weatherman here. It says right there, spoiler review. I'm going to be talking about the movie and spoiling it. I'm reviewing it. And in doing so, we'll be talking about what happened in the movie. So right there, spoiler filled review. I've said it again. Spoilers. Spoilers are going to happen. If you've not seen the movie, came out today, so there's a good chance you haven't. Just scroll on right past this video, go see the movie, then come right back here and uh, and let me break it down for you. Uh, so before we get into that, as always, get on down to Riverside Wine and Spirits. It's the number one liquor store in town, people. It's my favorite liquor store in town. That's why they sponsor the show. I love that place. And uh, see, I grabbed a card, actually, because I wanted to talk about these chocolates they got down there. Bell chocolates. Actually, this does better. Let's see. There we go. Not catching a glare. But uh, yeah, they got these Bell's chocolates. They got tons of great little gift ideas down there. These are one of them. They've got these. Uh, they got somebody that comes in every Friday with these nice little bouquets. They've got cheeses. They've got mixers. They got sauces. They got cocktail weenies. They got olives. They got everything you need to fix up your bar and to have a sweet ass little cocktail party. Everything you need. Get on down there, get your lid on, have a good time. And uh, as always, Friday and Saturday, they always do their growler promo on Friday, four to six. Saturday, same time, same place, they do their wine promo. So you can get down there, learn about whatever you're drinking, take some home, get a little bit of a discount and it's a great time. And you get to get your, get your lid on, get your lid on, on down there at the Riverside. And then uh, also Hopped Up Network at thehoppedupnetwork.com. You can find us along with tons of other great beer podcasts from all around the Southeast, Northeast, West, wherever you are, you can find beer podcasts there. And, uh, you know, like one of our favorites, the Bitch Beer Podcast out of Atlanta. It's a good one. Caroline, she's a good friend. Hopefully I'm going to be having her here on here soon. So, uh, yeah, go check it out. That's hoppedupnetwork.com. And then, uh, as always, you can find us at Brew Chat with two Ts at brewchat.com. Reach out on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Twitch, YouTube, uh, whatever. You get the point. You get the you get the fucking point on that. Yeah, go like, link, subscribe, share us around. Help us get those numbers up, people. Help us get those numbers up. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna pour some beer here for Randy and I. In the uh, he's back there in the in engineering bay. I'm gonna take these glasses off because they just keep sliding off my face. But uh, because it's hot, people. It's like 90 degrees and I'm melting. And uh, this light's not helping. You can see I'm kind of greasy, but, and it's not due to my partially Italian heritage. It is because it's hot. So I'm gonna hit this ignition switch. Let's pour some beers and get into it.
there goes our good old fade out. I got you a beer in here as well, Randy. It's sitting uh, sitting on the corner of the table in here. Um, hopefully, I've got a good mixture here, actually. That uh, My job at Riverside today was not hard. They put a bunch of neat shit on the shelves. I went in there. It was not a hard decision at all. And uh, so, grab this. I thought it'd be something good on a hot day like today. This is the Pink Guava Funk from Prairie Artisan Ales. And then uh, it's sour ale with pink guava. I thought this would be really good on a hot day like today. It's got all these critters hanging out in the woods. They look hot, not in a sexual sense, but like a temperature sense. And uh, they're in a jungle, which is why I'm saying it's hot. That pink snake is pretty pissed off. And uh, so yeah, let's get into it. I'm thirsty, I'm hot, I'm sweaty, and moist. It smells good. It smells a little bit like Capri Sun. Yeah, that hits the spot. It's super crisp. That's exactly what I wanted. I don't get a ton of funk, though, to be honest. 6.3% ABV, brewed and canned by Krebs Brewing Company. Let's see, what does this say? Krebs, Oklahoma. Hmm. So I guess Prairie Artisan Ales. Like a little bit of a nomadic brewery, or maybe they're a, a contract brewery situation, but I don't guess there's a Prairie Artisan Ale brewery you can go to. It looks like it's brewed by Krebs Brewing Company in Oklahoma. So, but yeah, I get a lot of guava. I don't know. Uh, Randy, can you pull this up? Is pink guava a thing, or did they just put pink on here? Like, is pink guava a fruit, or are they just saying, like, oh, it's pink, and there's guava in it? Let's see. Pink guava or red guava, the powerhouse of nutrients. White guava has more sugar, starch, vitamin C, and more seed. The white flesh guava is high in antioxidants and fleshed variety is even higher. Pink guava contains naturally occurring class of organic pigment called carotenoid. The name, the same pigment that gives carrots and tomatoes their distinct red color. So, yeah. So it is. It's a it's a special type of guava. What do you think of this, Randy? Um, I actually like it compared to most sours. Like it doesn't taste like they ruin the bag. Hang on, speak into the mic. I can't hear you. So I like it more than I do most uh, most of the uh, sours. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I'm not a big sour fan, but yeah, this one's not very sour at all. Yeah. It's super crushable. This is exactly what the doctor ordered on a day like today. Unlike this fistful of cake. Um, I don't know why I grabbed that. I'm an idiot, I guess. It's just delicious. I've gotten a self-control. But, uh, yeah, that is delectable. I'm going to go ahead and pour all these beers and go ahead and hand you yours, Randy. Okay. And uh, that way I can pound through the beers here and then get straight in to the Spider-Man. So... The first, like, five minutes of that were pretty bad because it didn't stream to on Facebook. But it's good now, so. Oh, but it recorded? Yeah, it recorded. Now. Okay, that's fine, because fuck Facebook anyway. I don't really... Um, as long as they recorded it, I can re-upload it later. Yeah, it, it messed up on the front. It, Wait, what did it mess up on? I can't hear you. It messed up whenever I, like... Because I, I accidentally hit the stop and then start again, and it didn't... It just didn't start again. <laughs> so... It has the recording, I think, but not the anything else. So, okay, and you're recording audio too, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so whatever. 
Most people seem to uh, download the audio episodes anyway. And uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of people don't watch the video anyway. So uh, I have a few, I've gotten a few people to watch them, but not many. This one right here, this is Southern Grist. I'm very excited about this one as well. This looks like it might be right on the money. For a hot day. Oh, and it's thick. This week has been brutal. It's uh, <laughs> it's uh, hey, there he is, people. This is Rowdy Randy. He's always in the back, uh, minding and twisting our nips and knobs. Oh, some motor oil. Yeah, this is fun motor oil though. Your murder oil is murder, mur like motor oil. Wow, that's hard to say. Murder motor oil. All right, away you go, back to your lair. So, see if I can keep these straight here. I'm trying to stay organized so I know what I'm talking about. So yeah, this next one is a brewery. It's out of Nashville. It's a brewery that, in my opinion, that can almost do no wrong. I've had a couple. Um, I've actually not had a bad beer from them. It's just beer that I particularly wasn't a huge fan of. Um, but needless to say that, they typically don't make bad shit. So I'm very excited to get into this. It's very thick. You might know Southern Grist. They brew a lot of the milkshakey IPAs, things like this. This is the Loud Whispers. It's five point five percent ABV. It doesn't say what kind of beer it is, though. Keep cold, drink fresh, and scream softly. Uh, this seemingly soft-spoken style has now found its voice. What started as a New England Pale Ale? There we go. It's a new. It started as a New England Pale Ale. Has been amped up with a double dry hopping of Mosaic and Vic Secret. Mosaic's some of my favorite hops, people. I'm not super familiar with Vic Secret. I don't dislike them, but a lot of my favorite beers are brewed with Mosaic, and uh, I've got a big bag of them there in the fridge that I sniff on once in a while. So I like me some Mosaic, so let's dig into this. Right on the nose, I get, a, I get the Mosaic. I get the Mosaic, get a little bit of hay, and it's definitely hoppy. It's hoppy as shit, actually. It's got a little stank to it. But again, exactly what I would want on a hot as shit day like today. And uh, for those watching, it's supposed to be like this all week. And it's supposed to start storming. I'll welcome the storms when we need it. I like to get out to the creek or the creek for those aren't from around here. And uh, yeah, it's been dry as a bone. Like all right, just the groundwater is so low that it would need to rain for two weeks just to get the groundwater back up to where it needs to be. That is good. That's good. I still think I like the Prairie Artisan Ales better, but both super crushable. The only thing is this one's a little thick, kind of like a Bell's Two-Hearted or an Oberon. It's just got the, the mouthiness to it. It lingers for a bit. And like it even, I don't know, it kind of catches your spit like a little net in the back of your throat where it's like, oh, I've got too much spit going on right now. Like some dip. It's a good beer though. What do you think about it, Randy? I like that one. Um, it's more on my taste, though. I like 
all the stuff like that, man. Yeah. Uh, you definitely nailed it on all, all the things you, you said. Yeah, what you, you need to speak into the mic, boy. All right, listen. You nailed it on what, what you said about what it was. <laughs> we need to get you a camera in there so we can, like... Just zoom in, yeah. Yeah, so we can cut to you. Yeah. Randy's behind this wall right here. And, uh, yeah, so... I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and uh, five forty nine. I need to make sure I'm really bad about checking the time on this, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna move on to this fistful of cake. I don't know this was an easy grab for me at Riverside, simply because I had this down at Chattabruga. I'm a big fan of Monday Night Brewing. They're based out of Atlanta, and uh, this is just a delicious beer. It's the fistful of cake. It's a chocolate orange imperial stout. Which is not really, like I said, I've got no self-control. I saw it and I got immensely excited because I have not seen it in a can before. Um, I don't think, we have a lot of beers on here. Don't, don't hold me to that. I, we may have had this on here several episodes ago. But uh, either way, I got excited when I saw the can and could not resist, despite it being 90 degrees. Right off the top, I get like a, a sweetness, like a, like a chocolatey, lactosey sort of sweetness. And then, see, I don't really smell any oranges, but I do smell like a, a, a very swift chocolatey sweetness in there. And boom, I still don't get oranges. Do you get oranges in this, Randy? Um, I catch it on the back, like the sour of the orange. Like, yeah, it's kind of like an orange rind, yeah. like the bitterness. Yeah, that's, that's where I get it. I don't get it anywhere else. Like, it, it doesn't taste like a sweet orange. Yeah, it's a stout brewed with cocoa nibs, oranges, vanilla, and cinnamon. I can get the cinnamon, too. I can could, I could see that. Boom, nailed it. Taste that lactose. It's 9%. Jesus. I should have had a better lunch. Get this chair out of here. There we go. Like that. That's mean. <sighs> that is, uh, it's lighter than you would think for a beer named Fistful of Cake. It's way lighter bodied than I would think it is. It feels lighter bodied than this Southern Grist beer. It does. It definitely does. Like it's, it goes down a little easier. The Southern Grist beer lingers with you a little bit and it's a little heavy. Okay. I swirled it in the glass a little bit. I'm getting a little bit more of the oranges. Yeah. It's coming through now. All right. I'm going to revisit these as we go through the review here, but, uh, yeah, let's get into some Spider-Man action here. So I literally just got back from the movie. And again, before I get into this, people, spoilers. Spoilers. There's going to be spoilers. This is the last time I'm telling you. And don't get mad at me when it's shown that I spoiled Spider-Man for you. Go see the movie first before you watch this. Don't be an idiot. So, uh, so yeah, Spider-Man Far From Home. Let's, uh, can we queue up the trailer, actually, and... Uh, Play that? Yep, just give me a second. Yeah, yeah. We don't have to play the whole thing because the audio is not going to come through. But uh, but I'll just have it up while I'm talking a little bit here. So, uh, oh, that's a that's a commercial. <laughs> yeah, God, I hate I hate these checkers commercials. Okay. Oh, there's there's little Tom, little Tom Holland. Yeah, he's great. He is so good as Spider-Man. He is by far my favorite Spider-Man that we've had on screen. 
Like Tobey Maguire, he was a solid Spider-Man. Andrew Garfield was a solid... Well, Tobey Maguire was a good Peter Parker. Andrew Garfield was a good Spider-Man. But they missed the other side of the personas where this kid, he gets it. He's solid on it. He's solid. So basically the movie is, you know, it, it picks up. It's got, it's quite a bit to chew on actually because it's kind of a sequel to Spider-Man Homecoming as well as a sequel to Endgame. So if you've also not seen Endgame, it's probably going to spoil some of that for you. Go see Endgame. Be caught up on shit before you go see this movie because it's a great movie, but get caught up. So uh, basically this movie, it picks up after, you know, they brought everybody back. You know, Thanos snapped everybody away. In this movie, or in Endgame, they bring them back. And this movie is actually answering quite a number of those questions. And they call it the blip. You know, so they're saying on the movie, it's like, oh, he got blipped. And if you got blipped, that means you were snapped by Thanos and you went away. So we got quite a few answers here. We found out, you know, I know after we saw Endgame, we were like, oh, my God, is is May Parker? Is she she's going to be so upset that Parker got snapped? No, she won't because she got snapped, too. So and it actually goes through a neat little thing of people talking about people getting snapped and then blipped back. And it talks about how uh, and it actually shows it. It shows some footage from Peter's high school and like there's a basketball game with a band playing at halftime and whatnot. And it shows people start to dust away. But then five years later, they get snapped right back to where they started. Like no time had passed. And Aunt May, she talks about how she was like, yeah, it was real strange when I snapped back in my apartment and the new owners thought I was the mistress. Um, so that was awkward. And uh, so, yeah, it's it answers some of those questions. It also answers, you know, if you got snapped, there was a five-year time jump. Oh, this is weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was a five-year time jump. So you had people coming that got snapped and they came back and some of their classmates, some of Peter's classmates had aged five years. So they're not going to be in high school anymore. And there was even one kid that talked, he's like, yeah, I got snapped and uh, no time had passed. And then all of a sudden my brother's, my little brother is now my older brother. So it's, it answers some of those questions that you had left over from Endgame, which is good. And I thought it answered them pretty. It, it didn't spend a lot of time on them, um, which I had heard that. And I was like, man, I, I want to know some answers. But it spends enough time. You get all the info you want about the snap, the unsnap, all that you want. You get all of that. And uh, it covers it pretty swiftly, actually. It, uh, they actually even have a – there's kind of a running joke in the movie where one of their classmates – um, I'd need to see it again to get the specifics, but one of their classmates didn't get snapped, and they're like, yeah, he used to be this awkward Asian kid, and now he's Mr. Handsome. And he's just like, all the girls are all about him. So it does cover that a little bit. One thing that I... My favorite progression from the movies, though, was uh, the happy relationship. Because we saw in Spider-Man Homecoming, Happy didn't really give two shits about Peter Parker, or I guess rather we saw it in Homecoming and in... Uh, uh, Civil War. So Happy doesn't really care about, about Peter, but after Tony's death and after Spider-Man Homecoming, he's come around and Peter and Happy are actually like real solid buds now. And then you've got Happy macking on May, macking on May. Happy is in love with Aunt May, which is also a weird thing, which speaking of Aunt May, speaking of Aunt May, Marissa Tomei, good old Aunt May, Marissa Tomei. Uh, she was killing it in them jeans. She was wearing some mom jeans this entire episode. And uh, dude, get Eric Voss off of here. Get Eric Voss off of here. And uh, yeah, you can just, yeah, you don't have to keep playing it. You can just, 
Yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, pull me back up here, though. I like, I like staring at myself. I'm pretty. Yeah, there we go. There's that handsome bitch. And uh, so, yeah, so Aunt May this whole time, like, Marissa Tomei is a gorgeous woman. She was wearing these amazing mom jeans this entire time. And I like, like, two things. For those of you that know me, the most American things about me is I like me some good old, good old classic rock, like some ACDC. And I like me some jeans. Most American things about me. And especially, I will double down on those jeans. And uh, Marissa Tomei was killing it in those jeans in this movie. So moving on from that. So basically the story is, uh, you know, takes place after the snap. You've got Peter in school and they are going on a European excursion field trip. And Peter's whole thing, which was kind of a foil, the whole movie is kind of a foil to Spider-Man Homecoming and Endgame in a way, because in Homecoming... Spider-Man, all he wanted to do was be Spider-Man. He didn't want to be just the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. The whole thing with that movie was he's like, no, I want to be an Avenger. I'm a big boy. I can handle this. Like, I want to be an Avenger. And the, uh, you know, after the events of Endgame and all that, this movie kind of comes full circle with that where he realizes like, uh, yeah, uh, this shit's for real. And I don't know if I've got what it takes to be an Avenger. I don't know if I have what it takes to take over for Iron Man, which is a huge theme in this movie of who's going to protect the world now that Iron Man is gone. And so there's this whole sort of inner dialogue questioning that Spider-Man's got this entire movie where he's questioning if he's good enough to step in, not as Iron Man, but just, you know, metaphorically into the Iron Man mantle of like world's greatest protector and so there's a lot of that of him trying to figure out if he's actually got what it takes to step up and do that. There's, you know, a lot in there of him just, he, he's a kid. He's 16 years old. He just wants to go on his European vacation, wants to go, wants to flirt with MJ, just have a good trip. He wants to relax. He's been to space, you know, all this. He just wants to relax and have a simple vacation. And like he says in the movie, he was like, I know it's going to make me sound like a jerk, but uh, I, I just kind of wanted to have a vacation this summer. I didn't really want to have to save the world. And one of the people that sort of eases that in was, you know, I'll just go ahead and start talking about the villain here is Mysterio, Quentin Beck, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, which, in my opinion, may be one of the greatest villains in the MCU at this point. It was phenomenal. And I don't really, there's a lot of gripe about the MCU villains, and I get the gripes, like Malekith, like, who's he? Yeah, right? Yeah, you get what I'm saying. And uh, so there's a lot of just one-off villains that will be in these movies, and you know, I really liked the Vulture as a character. I thought that was a really interesting take on that character, a really interesting villain to have Spider-Man fight. But I thought this movie was actually better than Homecoming in the way just that the villain was better. It, uh, hang on, I'm going to give me a drink here. I'm getting a little dry. That's the only downside about doing these myself is uh, I don't have somebody to pontificate while I'm taking sips. But anyway, so yeah, Mysterio... It, it's legit. Like, I went into this knowing Mysterio's a classic Spider-Man villain. I'll be a, kind of a goofy one, but he's a classic Spider-Man villain. In classic Spider-Man lore, he is a special effects movie expert that worked in Hollywood and things like that. And he's got a special suit that generates illusions. And he's got no real superpowers other than he's just kind of crafty. And he's kind of a magician. Like, he's just got, like, just tricks up his sleeve. But it's not really superpowers, so to speak. It's just fancy illusions and you know illusions michael 
And so the way they built him up in this, he is not in fact a special effects movie expert, but he is an ex Stark employee. He used to work for Stark enterprises and come to find out he is actually the guy that invented barf, the binary augmented retro framing. Can't believe I nailed that actually. Um, but yeah, he's the one at Stark Tech who invented that. And if that sounds familiar to you, BARF was the technology Tony Stark was using at the MIT speech, his TED talk at the beginning of Civil War. That was uh, his BARF technology, which you saw in that. It's like some hologram technology and all this. Well, apparently Quentin Beck got fired from Stark Enterprises. And, uh, and so, yeah, put a pin in that. Let me go back and talk about Mysterio a little bit more here before I reveal. So... Knowing that he's a bad guy, I went into this knowing full well Mysterio's a bad guy, but the movie actually sort of, it had me second guessing myself. I was like, wait a minute. Like, okay, I know there's probably gonna be a twist in here of where he turns out to be a bad guy because in all the previews, they advertise him as a good guy. And he is for part of the movie, or at least seems that way. And then the, the turn, but what was great about it is he was such a good character and I mean, he's sociopathic. So he's able to just turn on that empathy switch and pretend like he can empathize and he's giving Peter advice and just seems like an all around good dude. He's like, you know what, Peter, like, I don't blame you. You shouldn't have to apologize for wanting to be normal. You know, when Peter's just, he's like, man, I just, I wanted to just go on vacation and hang out with MJ. Mysterio tells me, he's like, man, look, you, you shouldn't, have to apologize for that. It's like this, the world we're in, it's a, it's a nasty world. And, uh, sometimes you save the day and people still die. And so he's a real good mentor figure for the first, I don't know, first third of the movie. You're like, wow, this dude's actually pretty cool. Like he's drinking beers with Peter Parker and giving him solid girl advice and they're joking. And, and just Jake Gyllenhaal is an amazing actor, but he actually had me believing and second guessing myself while I was in this movie thinking, okay, maybe, uh, maybe he is a good guy and, and maybe he wasn't going to stay a good guy, but I was like, you know, maybe something happens. There's a rift that happens that makes him the bad guy, but it's not that he's just inherently a bad guy like he is in the comics. So basically his whole shtick is he is teamed up with a bunch of ex Stark employees, which I thought was real fun because we got to see flashbacks to Iron Man one. Um, which can you pull this clip up? Just uh, search on YouTube, like Tony Stark built this in a cave. But it's the scene with Obadiah Stane and Iron Man one, where Obadiah Stane is griping because Iron Man has miniaturized his arc reactor, and Obadiah Stane tells this worker that's in there, yeah, here it is, right here. Oh well, once the Lion King's done advertising here, but uh. But yeah, so he yells at this worker and he's like, but, and the worker's like, yeah, but I'm not Tony Stark. He's like, Obadiah Stane goes, but he built it in a cave with scraps. And this guy is in the movie, in Spider-Man. Yeah, right here. Let's see. So he walks up to this guy and he's like, you just make it smaller. Yeah, this science guy right here, this is a movie that came out 10 years ago. And this guy had this small bit role. He's probably played a, a serial killer on CSI or something because that seems to be where you go if you're just a character actor that doesn't get a lot of work. But 
yeah, this guy's in this movie and it flashes back to this scene. <laughs> Built this in a cave with a box of scraps. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, he's in the movie. He's part of this whole team of Mysterio and the Mysterio's whole team is basically just a bunch of pissed off ex Stark employees that got fired or whatever. And they feel slighted. They didn't get the proper severance pay that they wanted. And, uh, and so, yeah, they don't seem to inherently want to do anything evil. They're not trying to create the masters of evil, rob banks or anything like that. It's purely seems to be a pride issue of where Quentin Beck is kind of the face, but they were all sort of Mysterio in a way where they've got this giant ruse. They're working where they use like augmented reality and holograms and some things like this. They've got these drones that are Stark tech drones and they can, you know, there's hundreds of them and he used these to project these elementals and even project himself while he's just controlling it in the background and occasionally shows up in a suit in his like shiny green fishbowl head suit and basically makes it where everybody thinks that he's saving the day. And that's kind of Mysterio's whole MO is he's just smoking mirrors, man. And so this whole time, you know, there's this big threat of these elementals. Nick Fury has been trying to get in touch with Peter Parker. He's like, Hey, I need your help with these elementals. You're one of the only powerful Avengers here on earth. And Peter Parker's like, yeah, but don't you have Thor or, or, or you know, is it somebody around? And then he's like, Miss Marvel. And Nick Fury's like, don't invoke her name, which I'll get back to the meaning of that a little later. But uh, yeah, he's just not wanting to help out. He's like, you got Mysterio. I, I, I think I'm underqualified for this. And so Nick Fury just keeps badgering him, altering his trip and uh, eventually gets him to help. And just through all this, eventually a piece of this uh, drone breaks off and MJ manages to nab it and take it to Peter right around the time that she figures out that he's Peter or that he's Spider-Man. And uh, so Peter starts figuring out like, okay, this Mysterio guy's full of shit. And I just gave him Tony Stark's entire security arsenal because I thought he was a good guy. Damn, I done fucked up. So he starts figuring all this out. He tries to confront Mysterio and we get, what is, I did not expect to get a sequence like this in this movie. It's drink time. Hang on. You should like tell me to pull up clips and then do. I could do that. Yeah, I could do that. But, uh, but yeah, so he confronts Mysterio and we get this sequence that I did not expect to get a sequence like this in this movie, but it was very akin to the Dr. Strange uh, mind warp sequence when the ancient one like touches his head and blasts him out of his body when he first goes to uh, ah, fuck the place in China wherever the fuck he goes the where he learns his where the ancient one lives that place it's not Kunlun that's yeah that's Iron Fist but you know what I'm talking about so uh, it's very similar to that where Mysterio is just creating all these illusions and Peter can't figure out which way is up or down. You know, he's in his Spider-Man outfit, but he just cannot figure out what is going on. You, he thinks Nick Fury gets shot in the sequence, but that was an illusion. He thinks he's finally caught Mysterio within this illusion, but it's like an illusion within an illusion. And it's a sequence that goes on for probably five to seven minutes. And it was real mind bending and 
Like there was a lot going on there. I saw the 2D version, but I'm sure that sequence looked pretty amazing in 3D, even though uh, it would have been even that much more confusing, but I'm sure it looked great. But yeah, there's mirrors. You get to see Spider-Man go through some of his different outfits in this sequence. You get to see him fight Mysterio and then Mysterio ends up tricking him and he steps in front of a train and gets run over. And about this time he calls Happy and, uh, and Happy comes in as reinforcements. And back to what I was saying earlier is the relationship between Happy and, and Peter Parker in this movie is fantastic because it's sort of this bond. Like, you know, at the end of Spider-Man Homecoming, Happy comes around and apologizes to Peter and was like, you saved my ass by figuring out that somebody was trying to hijack Stark's plane. And all through the movie, though, Happy's ignoring him, just brushing him off the shoulder, all this. Well, in this movie, they're kind of best friends because they both recognize that they lost somebody very important in Tony. And... You know, Happy lost his best friend, and all Happy knows is that his best friend, Tony, trusted everything he had with Peter Parker and saw him as his true heir, so to speak, to be the world's protector and things like this. So within that, you've got Happy and Peter having like sharing a really special relationship, and then Happy's trying to bone Aunt May. But uh, all within that, it's a really special relationship, and there was even a really... I don't know. I thought, I thought this part was really awesome is so happy comes in as reinforcements to help Peter Parker after he gets hit by the train. And, uh, let's see if I can get this mic out of my face here. So happy comes in in this fancy Stark jet and Peter's talking to him in there and he's helping patch Peter up kind of in a very similar scene to like an Alfred Bruce Wayne scene of, you know, happy is kind of Peter Parker's Alfred in this movie a little bit. And, so he's patching him up and he's like, no, I got to get this Quentin Beck guy, blah, blah, blah. Come to find out there's a lab in the back of the plane where Peter Parkin can build a new suit. And so Happy's just kind of standing there watching Peter tinker around with these holograms and 3D printers, like building his new spider suit. And you can just see this look on Happy's face. It's like, it reminds him of Tony. It was like this real heartwarming thing of like, that's why Tony picked the kid. And it's like, this kid is Tony. And then Happy turns around and is like, all right, you build the suit. I'll get the music. And he goes over to the cockpit of the plane and turns on Back in Black by ACDC, which for a long time, fans of the MCU, that was the opening song to Iron Man 1. Like, it opens with Back in Black. And it's just, I don't know. We stopped getting... I think it was Avengers 1 was the last movie we got that had Iron Man with ACDC music. And I was always a huge fan that they paid to put ACDC music in the Iron Man movies. It was so fitting for the character. And it sort of played, it wasn't a soundtrack to the movie. It played like this was in-universe music that the character enjoyed listening to. And so just the fact that they went and had that little callback, I thought that was pretty, pretty fucking sweet. I thought that was pretty awesome. Nice little callback there. And so, uh, yeah, so Peter builds a new suit, and he's headed to London to try to stop Mysterio, who has hijacked this Stark uh, satellite that's got even more drones than what he's been using. And he's trying to make this one last display, but he knows that Peter Parker, some of Peter Parker's friends, have, they, they know the jig's up. They know that, uh, they know about the holograms. And so he goes there, he's going to kill them. Because you gotta, you got to knock out the witnesses, man. you got to kill the witnesses. He's also going to kill Nick Fury and Mariah Hill, 
who he's been working with this whole time, but that was part of his plan. He never actually planned to kill Peter Parker and Peter Parker's friend. It's just once they figured out like what the jig was and put the jig up that uh, he decided he was going to kill him. So uh, all in this, there's a sort of joke that's been building throughout the entire movie. There's a pepper kernel on that glass. It's not good. But yeah, so there's a joke, you know, there's the spider sense that Peter Parker has where he, it's kind of like the force. He can sense things before they happen a little bit. And I thought it was kind of a neat callback because it actually plays a huge role in this movie is his web shooters break. And by the end of the movie, he has to end up relying solely on his spider sense in order to beat Mysterio. And that's how he's able to see through the illusions. So basically close his eyes and just use the force. But all through the movie, they never call it the spider sense. And, I, and they called it his Peter tingle, which I thought was uh, pretty fucking hilarious. So all through the movie, he's like trying to hone in on his Peter tingle. And there was a bunch of fanfare through Homecoming as we never really got any sense of Peter Parker having a Peter tingle or his spider sense. And so the fact that they made this movie, that's a huge component of this movie, I thought was pretty neat. I thought that was pretty, pretty rad. And... uh so yeah, it was just, that's how he ends up defeating Mysterio is he comes through that and then Mysterio dies in the end, but it, is he dead? It's a man that's full of illusions and tricks. Is he really dead? He could be, could not be. We'll see. In my opinion, I think it's setting up for the Sinister Six. Um, it looks like we just died. The camera went off. Okay, we're back. All right, so are we still uh, streaming here? Yeah, okay, so we're back. Camera went out there for a second. But uh, yeah, so the Peter Tingle, a.k.a. Spider-Sense, actually ended up being a pretty big aspect of this movie. That's how he ends up defeating Mysterio and killing him in the end. But he doesn't even really kill him. I, I can't actually... I can't recall how Mysterio actually dies. Peter doesn't hit him or anything. He just, like, disarms him, but it looks like he catches a stray bullet or something like that. So, but uh, what I really wanted to talk about, though, is the implications. It's all about the implications. And this movie, it sort of caps off the entire first 10 years. I mean, a lot of people want to assume that's Endgame, but this is actually the last movie for the first 10 years of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is capping off the Infinity Saga. And like I said, there's a lot in here that deals with the, uh, the post-trauma from the snap and people coming back. There's a lot in here of people reeling over Iron Man's death and his sacrifice. Peter dealing with that. Aunt May dealing with that. You know, so on and so forth. Happy dealing with that, all that good stuff. And uh, so it's as much of a sequel to Endgame and the whole cinematic universe as it is just a Spider-Man movie. But there were a lot of little details in here. And what gets me is uh, make sure you stay for the after credits. You know, Endgame didn't have an after credit sequence unless you went and saw the re-release this past weekend. And this has three of them. Um, I think it's three. Yeah, two or three, whatever it is. But... Uh, it may be the most important post-credit scenes, most meaningful post-credit scenes I've seen in a Marvel movie just because, like I said, the implications. Like, most of the other ones are just fun throwaways uh, or just a little, you know, a little just fun moment to put in the movie. But these after-credit sequence are actually they're actually the end of the film. Like you need to see these to complete the story that you saw in the film. And in that way, 
they're the most important credit sequences that we've had. The rest of the credit sequences we've had are typically scenes that are cut from a movie they're currently filming. Like when, uh, see, what was it? In Captain America, the Winter Soldier, we had the after credit scene that showed Wanda Maximoff and her brother Pietro, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch. And uh, they weren't introduced until Age of Ultron. So you get little teases like this for movies that are coming out that will be the after credit scenes. And they're more often than not, they've been just scenes cut from those movies and placed after the credits where these scenes are actually part of the story. They further the story and they have massive implications moving forward in the MCU, which we're not going to get another movie for, for probably about a year. And I think the next one coming out is going to be a black widow movie. And so moving ahead, we know that Sony and uh, Marvel's deal, they've got one more movie in them, I believe before they're going to have to renegotiate that. And, these credit scenes have a little bit a little bit of gumption there as far as what they can imply. So the first one that opens up, we see uh Oh, this one was so we see uh it picks up with uh, you know, MJ knows that Peter Parker's Spider-Man. They get together at the end of the movie. And so he's like, No, I'll take you swinging around New York. So they swing in front of Avengers Tower and uh I think it was 41st Street or 31st where you know, you had the big sequence in the first Avengers movie where it's the big continuous take of all of them, just like, you know, flying and doing all their shit. It's on that street and they're swinging around and Peter sets MJ down and posts himself on a light pole. And about this time, a, a news broadcast comes across in like a Times Square sort of place. So he's just on a light pole watching this news broadcast that's covering what just happened in London. And comes across that Mysterio sent a last minute video as a contingency plan. And he mentioned this earlier in the movie. He's like, you don't understand. I've got contingencies. I've got contingencies. And so this is before he died. And um, so it's a video that he's sort of cobbled together and taken some things that Peter Parker said out of context and used the audio for that makes it seem like Peter Parker was trying to frame Mysterio for the elemental attacks and where it was really Peter Parker doing them. And then he also reveals Peter pa or Spider-Man's name as Peter Parker across national news. He reveals Peter Parker's name, which is something that has been a huge staple of Peter Parker's character for decades is he keeps a secret. He keeps his identity a secret because he feels such a responsibility to save the world, but also protect the ones that he loves and by him wearing a mask, that is him keeping that shit secret. But it also harkens back to, again, Iron Man 1, where the last line of that movie is Tony Stark looking at the camera and saying, no, I am Iron Man. And so it harkens back to that, but instead of that being Tony Stark's decision to say that he's Iron Man, in this situation, that kind of got taken away from Peter, where he didn't have a decision to actually decide on saying if that was him or not. But in the same sequence... It's shown that, uh, you know, this comes across the news and it's shown that uh, Spider-Man is Peter Parker. And then after this, we get a, uh, man, I was so fucking delighted by this. I was so fucking delighted. I'm, I'm going to savor in this delight for a minute and drink this beer. So, uh, so, yeah, after it's revealed, after the news and, you know, uh, Mysterio reveal that, Peter Parker is, in fact, Spider-Man. To the whole world, 
you get J. Jonah Jameson, which is a character I love. I'm sure all of you all loved. Here we go. J.K. Simmons' portrayal in the Sam Raimi films. He nailed that character out of the park. Plus, I just love J.K. Simmons. He's a phenomenal actor. But they brought this motherfucker back. Yeah, they brought him back. J.K. Simmons is still J. Jonas Jameson, and I think that is the coolest thing because Disney Marvel doesn't do that. Like, they're not going to bring back Tobey Maguire to play Spider-Man. They're not going to bring back, you know, even the X-Men. There's a, you know, to me, I thought uh, Michael Fassbender did a pretty, him and Ian McKellen did a really solid job as Magneto. They're not going to bring them back whenever they bring the X-Men over to the MCU. They're just not going to do that. They don't do that. They want to set their universe apart so much so from the rest of these other shit movies that this is the MCU. It's different. But J.K. Simmons' portrayal of J. Jonah Jameson was so good that they still brought him back, but in a little bit of a different capacity. He's still J. Jonah Jameson, but he's not at the Daily Bugle newspaper. He is basically, I mean, he's still J. Jonah Jameson. He's like, Spider-Man, a menace to the city, you know, that sort of thing. But he's kind of an Alex Jones character, which I think is a hilarious way to take that character. And that's kind of what they did in the spider, the new Spider-Man PS4 game is where you've got a J. Jonah Jameson, but he's got a podcast that he's yelling at people and you can listen to it throughout the game. And it's basically a conspiracy podcast. And it's again, kind of an Alex Jones inspired sort of thing. And they've went this way. So instead of the daily bugle, it is the daily bugle.net. And it's, I mean, it even looked like InfoWars. That's what was hilarious. Like, the set they had him on looked like InfoWars. It was pretty great. And uh, I can't believe they did that, to be honest. That was such... I don't know. I stood up and cheered in the movie. I was at a matinee, and I was in there with just a bunch of other nerds like me that didn't want to go with a big crowd. And I was in the very back, and I remember I stood up and just slow clapped. I was like, man, they did it. I did not expect that. I did not expect that at all for them to bring J.K. fucking Simmons back for J. Jonah Jameson. It is perfect. It's so good. It's so good. And uh, so then we get a second post credit scene that is completely after the credits, which has another major reveal for the entirety of the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And uh, just going to come out and say it. You know, if you, saw, if you saw Captain Marvel, you're aware of the scrolls. They were here in the 90s. You know Talos, who was the villain in that movie, but not really. He was actually a good scroll. Well, it's revealed at the end of this movie that Talos, the scroll, and his scroll wife are actually impersonating the Nick Fury and Mariah Hill that we got in this entire Spider-Man movie was actually two scrolls. Talos and his wife that we got in Captain Marvel. And I love that Marvel does this shit is, and you can kind of, they kind of have a leapfrog effect of what they do is they'll have one movie that will tease two movies from then. And that's kind of what they've just done. Um, But this is going to connect, you know, who knows where the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going in the future? Who knows? But I'll tell you right now, they've set this up and so many people have already been saying, because there was a scroll in Captain Marvel that was never accounted for. They're like, no, that scroll... He's posing as somebody here on Earth. Who knows? And so now it's revealed that Nick Fury and Mariah Hill have been a scroll at least since the snap. 
is what I'm saying. I'm not saying they've been scrolls since the 90s. Maybe. I don't think that's it because this Nick Fury in this movie did. He was a little quippier. He was a little bit of a different play on the character a little bit. So, uh, and sadly, I, I'll admit it. I went into the movie. I was already spoiled on this, but uh, I, I'm glad I was because it allowed me to pick up on some things in the movie, like Nick Fury behaving a little differently. He was a little quippier. He was a little more fun. He was telling some jokes and he's not always, Nick Fury is a serious motherfucker, like serious motherfucker. And so I thought that was neat. And as far as I can tell, he has been a scroll. Well, it was also shown that Nick Fury's in space. So Nick Fury's not dead. He's just hanging out in space on vacation. So, uh, but that does leave the question of how long has Nick Fury been a scroll? I don't, th I think the Nick Fury that was snapped at the, in the Infinity War after credits scene, I think that was real Nick Fury. I think that was real Mariah Hill. So I'm thinking it was post-snap. He came back. He was like, man, I've been snapped. I need a motherfucking vacation. And so uh, he got with Talos. Talos sent him out into space to space vacay, I guess. And so, yeah, he's just been posing as Nick Fury here, which is a total Nick Fury move to do. I thought it was genius. It was such a major reveal. And uh, like I said, I don't think it's some reveal of where Nick Fury has been a scroll this whole time or anything. I just... It's got implications going forward. And like I said, how they promote their movies subtly like this, it's a leapfrog effect. So say two, three movies down the road, I'd say more likely two, we're going to start seeing the secret invasion storyline start to pan out. We're going to, that's, I don't think we're going to be having in the MCU, we're not going to have another large villain like Thanos for a long time. It's going to be a lot of larger arcs that are maybe three movies thick instead of having one giant arc that's got 22 films. It's going to be, you know, smaller major arcs that are going to be three to five films. And I think the secret invasion storyline is going to be something that they're going to be touching on here on out. And that was a huge thing in the comics where at one point, all of our favorite characters were basically replaced by scrolls. So uh, yeah, that's going to be something moving forward where we're going to be dealing with uh, secret invasion. But as it was shown in Captain Marvel, uh, we're used to the scrolls being villains, but in this case, they weren't villains. They were, they were very pleasant, nice refugees, like very nice, kind. And Talos isn't the smartest guy. You know, he's kind of like a little bit, but he's a good dude overall. And Kevin Feige even came out and said, he's like, yeah, the scrolls and Captain Marvel were good guys, but that's not to say there's not more extremist scrolls out there like there are with the Kree. So we're eventually, and they mentioned the Kree in this, which is, you know, just knowing storytelling techniques, that's them planting seeds. So when you hear Kree brought up again, they want to keep it relevant. So they mention Kree in here a couple times, and there's no reason to mention Kree in a Spider-Man movie other than to plant those seeds for the ongoing Kree-Scroll War and the Secret Invasion storyline, which we are going to see happen in movies down the road. And I would, I would dare say the, uh, the next Marvel movie we get is going to be the Black Widow movie, um, which I think is going to mainly take place but in probably about 2016 in between Endgame and Civil War. But it's going to have flashbacks to her origin, maybe Budapest, all these sorts of things. And it would not surprise me if they include scrolls somewhere in this story with that. Because I'm trying to think who else they've got coming out that they could feature the scrolls besides, you know, you've got Captain Marvel 2. Of course you can do it in that. Maybe uh, the Asgardians of the Galaxy. Maybe do it in that. 
I don't know. But uh, moving forward, that's a storyline we're going to see see pan out. So let's see here. What, what else do we got? That's honestly about it. To be honest, I, uh, God, I was trying to write in the dark and take notes, and I cannot even read this. Oh, I did. Yeah, let's talk about some negatives. Let's do this. Overall, I really, really like the movie. I liked it better than Homecoming. I, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, it, yeah, it's, I would put it in my top seven MCU movies out so far, and especially for those after credit scenes. But I will say, you got to have the salty with the sweet. And so there were a couple, I don't really have any complaints other than uh, there was this whole sort of teenage love plot with Ned, Peter's friend. That got kind of tiring. It got a little exhausting, but it's like, eh, it, didn't really, it didn't bother me that much because it was realistic in the way that teenagers are stupid when they fall in love. That first love that, that you get when you're a teenager, it's hefty, it's messy, it's obnoxious, and they kind of hit the nail on the head. It's like, oh, yeah, babe. No, I miss you more, babe. You know, that sort of hokey, just bullshit. And so they hit that on the head a little bit, so that's funny. They, uh, see, and there was one particular moment. My only other real complaint would be not overall the CGI. It was very good. But there was one moment, uh, I I think it was towards the, it was in the last act in the final battle, I believe, which does take place midday. You don't see that a whole lot in movies with heavy CGI. And so I'm giving it a little bit of slack on this because it's a bold move to take. But, you know, and it was something they did in Avengers 1 that I also thought was awesome. But if you've got scenes taking place at night and it's a heavily CGI'd, battle or sequence, whatever you're doing, if you have it take place at night, you can use that cover of darkness to hide some really messy CGI. Plus you don't have as many shadows you've got to worry about dealing with. So that was one. And, and to be honest, I don't even think I would have noticed it other than the fact that I do video work for a living. And uh, so I'm just paying attention to these things anyway. But yeah, there was a a couple moments on Spider-Man's suit where just the, the shadows didn't seem to line up. And again, it wasn't nearly as bad as, uh, what's her name, uh, from see who played Mary Jane in the Sam Raimi movies. Who's that? Kirsten Dunst. I think it's Kristen Dunst, Kirsten Dunst, whatever her name is. That's right. See, who is this? Yeah. Just, yeah. Spider-Man, Mary Jane Watson type Sam Raimi in there. Sam Raimi. Yeah, Kirsten Dunst. Nailed it. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, like I said, it was just some shading on the suit. It wasn't, like, if you remember in the first Spider-Man movie with Kirsten Dunst, Spider-Man rescues Mary Jane from that Mary J. Blige concert or whatever it is where the goblin vaporizes, like, the board of directors of Oscorp, and she's in that, like, kimono dress thing. And they're swinging and her hair is blowing in the opposite direction that it should be. She's swinging forward, but her hair is blowing forward. It should be blowing this way. Nothing like that. That is a standard practical special effect that uh, they just didn't account for. It's nothing that bad. And even then, that's something I didn't even notice at the time when I saw it. It wasn't until way later I noticed that. But um, yeah, it was just some shading on his suit. And again, I've only seen it once, so I could have missed scene. But, uh, yeah, it just seemed that 
there was a couple shots where his his suit just looked a little flat. And it was like, you know what, though? If they're trying to cut the budget a little bit and they want to make a suit look a little flat and save, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars on some CGI budget right there, go for it. It didn't take me out of the movie at all. It was just me being a video guy, recognizing other video guys' work and being like, eh, you could have shaded that better. But other than that, phenomenal movie. It has grand implications moving forward. Uh, I know there's been a lot of talk about maybe can Venom cross over. I know Sony would love that. I I would love to see Venom with this Spider-Man. They've easily set it up because you've got aliens in this world. You've got all that. They don't have that deep, rich mythology in the Sony Venom movie. They don't. And I think Sony is trying to... Uh, the deal they worked out is Spider-Man... Marvel can use Spider-Man, but Sony basically gets to use some of the other top-tier villains and make their own independent movies. I wish they would have played a little nicer with that because that Venom movie sucked. It was terrible. And I would love to see Venom with Tom Holland Spider-Man, but I do not want to see Tom Hardy Venom with Tom Holland Spider-Man. I just don't want to see that. I thought that was a shit movie. You could totally tell that Tom Hardy phoned it in. He didn't really care to be there. And uh, yeah, I just I don't necessarily want that personally. I would love to see Venom in here, but I would like to see a different Venom is all I'm saying. But uh, let me see what time it is here. Damn, damn, damn. Did I just go an hour and a half, Randy? An hour? Okay, we're at an hour? Okay. Yeah, is there a recording time on there? I need to get a time code. Anyway, well, I'm about wrapped up here. It's, uh, I'm going to make one more sweep back through these beers before we close it out. And I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Go see the movie. It's a phenomenal movie. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff in there. It builds a ton of mythology. More, really more mythology than I would think a Spider-Man movie would have built for the larger MCU, especially being the last movie in this 10-year run. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, it was a fucking great movie. So, closing that out, let's, uh, let's make one more sweep back through these beers here for this episode. And we'll close this, close this bitch down. Like I said, I've been sipping on this Guava Funk quite a bit. It pretty much tastes the same. It's just super crushable. I dig it. The Southern Grist is smelling a little bit more haystacky than it did. It smells a little, a little earthy, a little haystacky. I got a hint of fruit in there, but I'm not sure what kind of fruit it is. I'm decent at identifying beers and I'm not a sweets person, so I don't eat a lot of sweets, so I can't identify. I get my sweets through beer, which may actually be how I keep this amazing figure. Somebody was asking me the other day, it's like, dude, you drink beer all the time and you run a beer podcast. How are you not 400 pounds? Psh, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. I don't know. My metabolism's probably going to hit rock bottom here in the next couple of years. You'll find me uh, begging for change down under the bridge or something. I don't know. But uh, I eat well. Yeah, all that's a joke. I was being a little facetious and joking. But, yeah, just eat well, people, for the most part. Everything in moderation. I mean, I, I go a little overboard with the beer sometimes. It happens. But everything in moderate, like moderate moderation, people. That's, uh, that's kind of my key here. Just for those of you wondering, somebody asked me yesterday, so I thought I would put it out there in the universe. I got to say, I'm not a fan of the 
the loud whispers here after it's warmed up a bit. This is definitely a beer you want to drink cold. Tastes grassy, earthy. There's like a fruity tinge in there, like almost like a peach rind, but not a peach, just like the fuzz. Yeah, it just, it got real bitter. Yeah, if you get the loud whispers, make sure you drink that shit quick. So now let's go on to where I drink my dessert. This got a little boozier now that I've set it out and let it get a little warmer. It's got some nice head retention. The orange has come out quite a bit more. Quite a bit more, actually. Yeah, that's tasty. It's, uh, yeah, you get kind of a orange peel bitterness in there. It's got the lactose going on, which makes it super smooth. And it's, it's not too sweet. You get a lot of chocolate stouts that are way too sweet. And with something named Fistful of Cake, I would assume it's going to be sweet as shit. But uh, it's actually not. It's, not. it's not too sweet. It's less sweet, just to give some of you locals here a comparison. It is less sweet, which surprises me with a name like Fistful of Cake. It is less sweet than uh, the Moon Pie down at Naked River. It's less sweet than the, shoot, I'm blanking on the name, but it's the, it's the delicious chocolatey one that's down at Heaven Nail. Um, they've done some barrel-aged versions of that. It's less sweet than both of those, but it's almost just the right amount of sweet. The orange actually bounces out quite well, and it gives kind of a... Like, I, I don't know what they're called, but it's these orange candies. They're like orange jellies, but they're coated in dark chocolate. Don't know what they're called. Maybe I'm being, I've been given poison candy. I don't fucking know. But it kind of tastes like that a little bit. Like, like one of those orange gummies wrapped in chocolate. But yeah, it's super smooth. Goes down super easy. Goes down way easier than the Loud Whispers here, which surprises me. But still, my pick of the night is going to be this Pink Guava Funk. I uh I would crush the hell out of these by a pool. I mean, I'm crushing this one now because it's hot as shit outside. I'm just looking at the sun getting hot. But uh, yeah, I think my pick for the night is going to be this guava funk. And like I said, I got these all down at Riverside Wine and Spirits, which if you weren't here for the start of the show, came back in, get on down there, people. It's the best liquor store in town. They're the sponsor because I wanted that because... I want to be proudful of who is sponsoring this show. I don't want to advertise for some shit that I wouldn't use. And I, uh, I'm down at Riverside all the time, people. Down there all the time. We're actually going to be trying to get some maybe live episodes going here soon down there. So, uh, you know, we had Tommy on the other week. He's our beer guy down there. It's like, get on down to Riverside. Check it out, people. They got great gift ideas, great booze. They'll let you try stuff. You get to taste stuff. They got a great growler wall. They got mixers, cocktail weenies, whatever you need to uh, have a little party. You, after that, you pretty much just need to go buy burgers and you are ready to grill. Swing through Riverside, swing through Whole Foods, ready to grill. And Whole Foods doesn't even sponsor the show. It's just for the sake of convenience. And then also, go find us on the Hopped Up Network at thehoppedupnetwork.com and then you can find us on brewchat.com along with lots of other great content. We've got all, all sorts of supplementary content out there of just, uh, just me doing bullshit and talking about beer, drinking beer trying to learn you all good on some beer. And uh, yeah, so go check us out. That's brewchat at brewchat.com or at brewchat with two T's across the board, people. Twitch, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, you name it. We got it, people. And uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time. 
And uh, I'm trying to think who we got next week. I think we've got the Chatter Brew Tour people coming on. So make sure you tune in for that. Should be a great time. And we'll see you guys next time. Oh, <laughs>